Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and on this podcast, I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier, and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 50 of the Modern Warrior podcast. This week I am joined by the man, the legend that is Tony Blower, a coach in the martial art, self-defense, defensive tactics and combatives industry for over four decades. Uh, Tony has founded the Blower Tactical Systems. BTS in 1985, and it has grown into one of the world's leading consulting companies specializing in the research and development of performance psychology, personal safety, and close quarter tactics, and also scenario scenario based training for law enforcement, military, and professional self defense instructors. Now, after decades of interviewing victims of violent encounters and studying violence, he also created the No Fear program, which focuses on managing fear through self-awareness, resiliency, and a movement mindset. So this program has also been integrated by psychologists in helping veterans deal with post-traumatic stress syndrome. So... Wow. <laughs> Quite amazing work, Tony. Yeah, it's a product of, again, you know, 40 years of uh, uh, passion, obsession. And, uh, and, and, and here we are uh, all, all these years later. It's crazy <clears throat> listening to you read that because I'm like, is that me? Is that, did that really, did we do all that? And, and it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a journey, man. It's been an amazing journey. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort of started all this? Like I understand from listening to your uh, podcast with Bedris Kudian that I've listened to, yeah. uh, that it all sort of began when you started martial arts at around the age of six or seven. Um, yeah. Wrestling, wrestling when I was seven, I officially started martial arts when I was, uh, I guess 12 after getting jumped by a couple of guys. So, you know, went home, told my dad, I just got jumped. And uh, he said, well, you gotta learn how to defend yourself and uh, let's find you a martial arts school. And it was uh, 1972, 1973-ish. The Bruce Lee craze was just kicking off. Uh, you know, he just passed away in 73. So, yeah, I was around 72 when I started and then and then discovered Bruce Lee and then he died. Uh, and um, so it was like right in that kind of golden era of martial arts mm -hmm. quite a long time ago. Yeah. And it just it sort of evolved from that point. Yeah, it, it you know, for me, I didn't realize this till till much later because the the two main training businesses in my company is one is, you know, of course, like you can see I, I'm in my garage gym where I teach every week on zoom uh it's teaching the practical tactical side of self-defense uh but what i discovered and i discovered this in the 80s 
And if you go back and you look at, like in 1988, we came out with a video series through Panther Productions. And the first, the first video was uh, a lecture. And this is back in 88, like nobody was talking about this stuff. My first video was called Cerebral Self-Defense, The Mental Edge. It was, I had, I had through doing uh, uh, scenario-based training with my students, because my passion was always practical self-defense, I realized that, that fear management our ability to recognize fear in ourselves, to create the self-awareness, to uh, take responsibility for it, changed how people performed in a self-defense scenario. Well, later on, the the the, um, the the kind of like the linear logic was, well, isn't life made up of conflict anyhow? confrontations. I mean, there are people who take traffic personally, right? There's people who, you know, you're in an elevator, it's not coming fast enough. And you're like, come on, fuck, you know, you're hitting the elevator. And so, you know, these, these are interesting things. These are like extrapolations that I made as I matured, you know, this is so in the eighties, when I was creating kind of what fight club was, but with equipment. So before fight club, the movie, like we'd get together once a month and beat the crap out of each other and videotape it. And we always did it from a scenario perspective, but it was, uh, it, it, I, I was, I was going, wow. Like I thought that guy would do better. And I was fascinated with it because we tend to look at somebody, we judge books by cover. We look at somebody and go, Oh, he's in good shape. He's not in good shape. You know, that person's good looking. That person's not good looking. That person's got muscles up. And, and our, so part of what our brains uh, default, it, it might be a um, it's a positive, but it's also a, a flawed, the yin and yang of everything is our brain is always trying to predict the future. So part of there's a there's a there's a, a function in our brain that's trying to guess what am I going to do tomorrow? How's tomorrow going to be? What's the weather going to be like? How's this movie going to be? Is this is this date going to go well? Whatever it is. So the brain's trying to predict the future. So we judge books by cover cover. And I would look at, and it was really interesting, Gavin, I, I'd look at um, people who had, you know, cauliflower ears, and you could see they had smashed noses, they'd been in street fights. And then we'd put them in a scenario, and they would just fucking fold. And I'd be like, wow, like, I thought that person would do better. So I, I immediately found this connection, this link to the psychology of fear. And so back in the 80s, I actually created a... Uh, a flow chart called the cycle of behavior. And it showed the theoretical progression of an idea that was confronted by a fear spike and what happens internally. Mm -hmm. And that turned into now years later, the no fear program spelled K-N-O-W, get to no fear, K-N-O-W, no fear. And, and we now have, uh, you know, you alluded to it in the, in the bio read. I've got professional psychologists who, uh, have a, you know, one of their, their focuses is working with vets with PTSD using our research to there's you know, one, one gentleman named Jeff DeTesso, he's a uh, psychologist in the East coast of the USA, uh, out in Connecticut. He called me up after doing a program. He said, your cycle of behavior and the way you explain how to look at fear he said, it's more effective. This is a quote we have on our website right now. He said, it's more effective than anything I've learned in 20 years of psychology. And I was like, when he first said that to me, I was like, I was like, holy shit, dude. I said, can I use that as a quote? Because I like, as an entrepreneur, I'm like thinking about like the marketing value of it. But the truth is, he said, he actually, he just said, fuck yeah, it's true. 
And so that's that's up on there. Um, I say this, and you could hopefully feel my passion and my and my 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 energy for this. I, I just did a post yesterday about the weaponizing of fear and how governments and mainstream media have weaponized fear. And and I talked about the no fear program. And I said, listen, if you don't have the self-awareness to be able to observe how fear shows up in your life, you're being manipulated by it. And so, so developing that skill of self-awareness with an eye and a focus on how does fear show up? <clears throat> I can't think of anything more important Forget pandemic. I mean, this goes back to like Maslow and self-actualization. You, you can't be the best version of yourself if you don't understand how fear manipulates you. And you can't understand how fear manipulates you if you don't develop self-awareness. And, uh, and this system that I, the serendipity of it is I, I discovered this because I wanted to make people safer in the self-defense realm. But serendipitously and metaphorically, all life is self-defense, right? Like toxic relationship. How do you defend yourself? Uh, you're eating shit food. You're like too much sugar, too much. This. That's like, so like metaphorically, this has evolved into everything in life is self-defense in meaning it's this idea of emotionally, psychologically, physically protecting yourself from danger. When we say self-defense, of course, there's a, there's a narrative or, or it's iconic to think about. If I said, if I said, Gavin, describe to me your uh, definition of self-defense, you'd say, uh, yeah, uh, two guys outside of a pub, uh, you know, uh, jumping me, they, you know, I'm out with some mates and we, but I went, well, isn't looking both ways before you cross the street self-defense? Isn't looking at the ingredients on something going, holy shit. This shit's carcinogenic. It's in here. Like, well, I'm not going to eat that. I'm, I, no thanks. So without going down too deep down a rabbit hole, there's a philosophical element that everything is self-defense. The ability to recognize danger and avoid it is self-defense. If you think about that in the physical realm, it's very narrow. But if you expand that lens and you go, wait a minute, how do I avoid emotional, psychological, physical danger? Mm -hmm. It's pretty fucking cool. It's a different way to look at it. So, so we talk about our, our, our process is very uh, holistic. Yeah. I love that. I love that holistic approach. It's something I'm, it's something I teach myself a lot of the guys I work with and fear has such a, a strong influence on, on people's behaviors. Now, as I said, I work with a lot of men and a lot of these guys, as I said, their, their, their whole life is based around fear. A lot of it based around the fear of other people's opinions, based on the fear of letting their parents down because they've set certain expectations for them based upon going against societal standards and yeah based upon some sort of fear in the future that doesn't even exist so this sort of anxiety induced fear you know i, I know you spoke or just mentioned there about you know toxic relationships a lot of the guys i work with are in toxic relationships and just cannot navigate their way beyond it there's kids in the equation. There's um, the the home life is, you know, there's a certain level of comfort at home because it's familiar perhaps to their upbringing or it's, uh, it's safe there. But of course, as you know, 
nothing can ever progress in, in, in that sort of safe environment, nothing ever progresses in, in, in the comfort zone, so to speak. So they're stuck. And to leave the wife or leave the family, it, it's, there's a certain level of pain there. And this pain in itself is, is based on fear. So from that perspective, you know, what sort of nugget of knowledge could you give these guys who are sort of, it could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be um, in university or college where they're studying a course that they hate, but they're in there because they don't let their parents down. They may be paying for their tuition or whatever. But yeah, as I said, it's comfortable, it's safe. Move on to a safe job, be in a safe relationship, but it's not fulfilling and they're not growing their they're stagnant in their life. So how do you navigate beyond that point or what's sort of your strategy or approach when it comes to something like that? Do you want me to basically give you an answer that'll solve everyone's problems in five minutes? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> listen, I have a counterintuitive answer and, and it'll sound like I'm trying to sell people on our program, but duh, you know, obviously, and this isn't about it being trans, having a transactional relationship because I put out so much free content. I mean, you could like, like I've had people message me after listening to a podcast going, when you said that a light bulb went off and I realized what I had to do. So this isn't about financially transactional, but you know, I wrote, I wrote something a couple of years ago where I said the cost the cost of this is you just need to pay attention. The pay is the attention. You need to pay attention. And, and so are you paying attention to what your body, mind, your physiology, your psychology is trying to tell you when you're in the toxic job or the toxic you know, uh, a relationship or, and everything's a relationship. It could be with yourself. You look in the mirror and you go, fuck, I hate what I look like. So are you paying attention to that? And what are you doing about it? So time is the only resource you can't get back, right? When you're in a fear loop. So the fear loop is, I describe as a, a, a metaphoric area in a decision-making uh, uh, map where it's like, oh, this is where I'm stuck. This is the mud. This is the quicksand. This is the, in that metaphor, I'm going along, everything's going good. And boom, I'm stuck here. Most people, when they're stuck, sit there and marinate in their stuckness. Fuck, why me? It always happens to me. This will never change. That's not paying attention. You know, if we're sparring and I punch you in the face and you go, you always punch me in the face. I go, well, you're not paying attention. You got to move your fucking head or you got to move me so that I can't fire that shot. So the metaphor here is this is like, and I don't want, you can be in a shitty relationship, but maybe the relationship is shitty because of you. I mean, obviously, you know, I hate the expression. It takes two to tango, blah, 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 you know, but it's true. But you, you can't, you can't know until you're working on yourself. And so I don't want anyone to, 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 extrapolate from this talk oh tony said i should because i'm an options facilitator i'm not telling anyone what to do but before you quit your job <clears throat> maybe you need to figure out if you're a lazy shit maybe you need to figure out maybe you don't like authorities 
And you know, like you can never work for anyone because you haven't, you don't have the self-awareness to go, you know what? I'm not coachable. I can't take instructions. I don't want to be, I not, I don't want to be, I can't be part of a team. So this is very controversial. And maybe a lot of the people listening to this are going, well, fuck this guy. And they turn off. I don't like what he's saying. I'm like, oh, you're fat. And it's not like a genetic disorder. Yeah. Uh, eat less food. That's all it is, right? It's calorie deficit. You know, figure out what you're using, fill out, fill out what you're consuming. If the numbers don't match, you're going to gain weight. Um, and, you know, it, it's, uh, I go down a rabbit hole here, but I, somebody very close to me gained like 20 pounds over a year. And they're like, I don't like, I eat good. I do this. I go, listen, if you're burning, if you're consuming 200 calories a day, or 2000 calories a day, and, and you're only burning 1900, that's, so I did hundred calories times 365 days. And I said, that's how much fat you're, it's just math, right? So back to, back to psychology here and mindset. Time is the only thing we can't get back. When you're in the fear loop, you're, you're consuming time. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. like if I'm sitting here, I got a flat tire. Oh, fuck. Oh man, I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss my flight. And then I'm going to not be here. I'm going to miss this meeting. And then I'm going to get fired. Oh shit. I'm going to be late on my date. This was the one. And what you're doing, instead of changing the tire, instead of getting on a phone and going, Hey, I got a problem. I got a flat. I'm on my way because I can, depending on whatever scenario you're in, I can show you how the flat tire on the way to that event fucks up your life. And now you're the victim, right? So I was on my way to a presentation. I was on my way to a date, the date that this is the woman I wanted to marry or the man I wanted to marry. Uh, I was on my way to whatever it is. Um, I was driving to the store because uh, I had the numbers to the winning lottery and I got a flat tire and now I'm going to miss the deadline for that and I was going to win the lottery. Oh, whatever bullshit. The flat here is the metaphor. And what most people do when they get a flat is they get angry, they get pissed. And then a movie starts in their mind of all the bad things that are going to happen. Now, some people just get out and they go, this sucks. And they start changing the flat. The metaphor here is, is pay attention, change the flat, right? Uh, look at the, the ripple effect or the cascading effects of different events and take care of them. In this weird metaphor, I understand it's weird. Um, what I want you to see is that life is good. And then something happens and it triggers something not good. That's the fear loop. The fear loop always exists in your mind. Hey, Gavin, this was a great talk, but guess what? As soon as we get out the talk, you're going to step outside and two guys are going to uh, beat you up. If you believe that, you'll immediately start a movie in your mind of like, now you're checking out the, the window, you're looking through the things, you're calling your buddy, your heart rate elevates. And what I want your audience to listen to is I suggested something could happen and it starts a movie in your mind and now you're in the fear loop and it's producing cortisol and negative images and it's creating doubt and it's creating uh, uh, um, insecurity. And if you can't catch that, this is the self-awareness part. If you don't go, shit, why am I doing this to myself? Okay, take a deep breath. Okay, you know, uh, uh, time to meditate. Okay, time to call a consultant, time to whatever it is. If you can't recognize that, you go through the whole experience and your life is hijacked because of this idea. So I use a, a wonderful acronym, um, false expectations appearing real. 
false expectations appearing real. It's when I'm visualizing a future event that involves my pain, my doom, my destruction. I'm visualizing this future event that is immobilizing me, paralyzing me, or affecting me in the present. So I'm ruining like the Zen of day-to-day life because I'm worrying about a future event. Only self-awareness can extract you from that. Because if you don't know that you're doing that, you can't seek solutions. So this is what I mean by the, the, by the fear loop. And now what's happened is like, if you spent like, let's say you spent five years in a, at a shitty job. And then finally someone's working with you and they hear me and they go, you know what? It's going to be scary, but it can't be worse than this. I'm going to go for it. And then usually, and, and you know, people like this, and I know people like this, that, that afterwards when the dust settles, they're like, wow, this was the best thing I ever did that I got away from that. To my point, if I don't have the self-awareness to go, why am I biting my nails? Why am I smoking another cigarette? Why am I having a drink? Why am I avoiding this conversation? Um, and, and, and here's a great one, because we all go through this. And, here, and there, I want to insert something here that's kind of interesting. So I've been studying fear for decades, and I do talks to entrepreneurs to corporations to sports teams to fighters to SWAT tier one operators and I get into the psychology of fear and the hypothesis is that the more you understand the neural circuitry of fear and how it shows up for you the more you can manipulate it so fear fear can either be this thing of like uh oh fuck fear or it's like huh you said this earlier, you can't grow inside your comfort zone. Well, when you step outside your comfort zone, you're supposed to have some fear. And if you go into what I have another ring around the comfort zone, or another ring around the discomfort zone, and it's called the holy shit zone. And the holy shit zone is like, holy shit, am I actually going to do this? You know? Um, and so a couple of things and I got a bunch of tangents going here, but when you finally leave a really toxic, a truly toxic relationship or a toxic job or, or some other scenario, it usually took you years. Most people don't in a relationship go, wow, there's something really off here and then break up. They go, well, maybe, maybe it'll get better. Maybe it's like going to a bad movie. You know, you know, the movie's bad in the first 15 minutes and then 90 minutes later, you go, that was the worst movie ever. But you, you didn't have the self-awareness and the courage to leave the movie. It's actually one of the questions I ask people, Gavin, when we're doing our workshops, I go, how many of you send back food that isn't cooked the way you liked it or ordered it? And how many of you walk out of movies that aren't any good? And statistically, most people don't. And they want to rock the boat. So you know, uh, I already paid my money. I might as well sit here and eat the popcorn as opposed to, you know what, take the popcorn and go for a walk. At least now you got some fresh air, but you're not wasting your fucking time. So, um, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting protocol, but the, uh, where I was going with this is that we can't get time back. And so how do you improve time management? And this is a really cool concept, but one of my favorite new ones from the no fear program. And that is that fear management is time management. Because when I get a fear spike, I go into the fear loop and that's normal. It's normal to, uh, 
It could be a really shitty email. It could be a pain in your side. It could be uh, uh, a weird conversation. It, it could be uh, 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 a, a change in the world that affects your financial security. It's normal to go, fuck, holy shit, and, and, and go into that fear loop. But what you need to do is have the self-awareness to make sure you don't stay in the fear loop longer than is necessary. So the hypothesis, and it's, it's a wonderful concept, is that time is the only resource we can't get back. So time management is critical to, to living a quality life. Don't waste your time. Spend your time. How do I make sure I'm not wasting time? I need to create greater self-awareness. How do I create greater self-awareness? I need to understand the role fear plays in my life. So if I go, you stay in that relationship at, with that, that male or that female for five years, and then you finally left and you're the happiest you've ever been. Did you learn anything? Did you grow? Fine. Yeah, we got all that. But there was still wasted time. Let's be realistic. Uh, same thing with the job. The same thing with, with you know, like, like someone who's really overweight and then they finally, a year and a half later, they've dropped 60 pounds, they're on a healthy diet and they go, wow, you know, they need to realize they could have done that the year before or the year before or the year before. So what stops people from taking action? And this is the irony of all this is the same protocol. It's still getting to know fear that if you understand how fear is causing you to procrastinate. So in our program, we, we explain that the fear spike creates doubt. That's normal. Doubt always creates hesitation. That's normal. Now, this is where the self-awareness part comes up. If you go, why am I not picking up the phone and telling that person we need to talk? Why am I not walking to the boss's office and go, hey, I've been here for two years. I've done all of this. If I'm not going to move up, what's going on? Like whatever the talk is. So if you don't know why you're not making that conversation happen or that move happen, that's where, so doubt becomes hesitation, hesitation becomes procrastination. It's in the phase of procrastination, in that phase of procrastination where self-awareness goes, wow, I'm not doing this thing I need to do. That's where the self-awareness magic happens and where the system comes alive. A lot, a lot of, and this isn't to compare or contrast other systems, but a lot of, a lot of messaging out there is like, no fear, don't do this, stop this immediately. In like all the clickbait, you know, in three steps, you will no longer. I fucking hate that shit because it's bullshit. So doubt, hesitation, procrastination. It's at the third phase where we go, huh. Why aren't I making this call? Why aren't I making this move? Why haven't, why haven't I started this, this nutrition, this fitness, this, this new ritual? And that's where all the work starts. And it's not a question of just snapping your fingers or flipping a switch, but unchecked, if you don't know why you're procrastinating, unchecked, that becomes non-clinical anxiety or in some people, clinical anxiety. So that anxiety you talk about that you alluded to is that's when I'm visualizing something in the future that's fucking stressing me out, but I don't have the courage to deal with it. So part of, I mean, the biggest part of the program is about this idea that if I understand fear, 
I can change my mind. And if I can change my mind, I can change my life. Why? Because I can look at the things that are causing me to stop dead in my tracks and not take action. So coming back full circle to, to you know, when I said, hey, some guys are going to beat you up. If suddenly I go, you know, hey, Gavin, uh, you know, uh, let's go to a movie. And you go, oh, man, I can't leave the house. I'm really busy. What do you mean? You haven't left the house in like two months, right? So suddenly, like, you haven't left the house because you're afraid of getting beaten up. I'm making this cartoony, right? You heard something here. And now that metaphor might apply to uh, a great number of people going through what we're going through right now with the weaponizing of fear not leaving the house. I'm not fucking, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of living. So I'm going to get really good at dying. Right. And, and, and we're, they're killing ourselves emotionally, psychologically, spiritually health, but that's a whole, maybe a whole other podcast. Um, the idea is you asked me in the beginning, you said, Hey, what do I do with somebody in a toxic relationship or talk shitty business or this or that. And I, and I, I made the joke, oh, well, you want me like to give you like an answer that'll solve everyone's problems. I really believe that when you peel all of our onions, regardless of the scenario, and this is why I'm so passionate about the program, is because I don't care what your problem is. You drop your whatever it is into this scenario algorithm, and the core of it will always be your relationship to fear based on something you're imagining. And until you until you can whiteboard that or sketch that out or discuss that, you can't go to a subject matter expert and go, what should I do here? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, get an investor, whether it's get a, a, a fitness coach, whether it's get a, 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 a mindset coach, uh, you know, read something, whatever. You, you, you can't get there until you've identified what, you're, what caused the doubt, the hesitation, the procrastination, the fixation that's leading to this non-clinical or clinical anxiety. And I don't use that term. I know people who have anxiety. I don't use that term lightly, but, you know, somebody who's immobilized, you know, and I'll just say this, my, my wife, my wife deals with anxiety from time to time. And it's at sometimes it's been, it's been pretty bad. And so I'll go, Hey honey, let's work out. And she'll go, I can't work out today. Why? And she'll go, I'm just worried I'm going to get dizzy and pass out. And like somebody who doesn't understand that goes like, like you, you want to shake them and go, why would you not work out worrying about being dizzy and passing out in a, in a, an hour from now for somebody who doesn't understand, you just can't understand that's real for them. That's the movie that's playing in their mind. And, and, and uh, she's done great work on her own. And I've helped her through that by saying, well, let's not do anything that would cause you to get dizzy. Let's make sure you're hydrated. Let's like, and so what you can do is when you understand, when you peel the onion of fear and you go and, and hopefully for people still listening to this, she didn't just say that right away. Right. It was like, no, I can't, I don't have time. It starts with, it starts with some, some weird deception, self-deception, and then intrapersonal deception. Let's work out. Oh, I'd love to, but I, I gotta I gotta take care of these things. To hey, now we're going to work out. Till finally, no, I'm afraid I'm gonna pass out. Why would you have you ever passed out? No. What made you think that? And until you can have that conversation, you can't remedy it, you can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a, a personal example where you know, 
I talk to someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, who wants to, you know, find the love of their life or leave somebody until you can figure that out. And I'll come back to something that's so, so important because there's a lot of people just quit on things that could have worked out. And I said this earlier, like if you're not working on yourself, just bailing on, on any type of relationship because you've labeled it toxic I'm not a therapist, but if this is your third toxic relationship and it's the other person's fault, there's a good chance that, that you need to be, uh, you need to be investing in a mirror, <laughs> uh, right. Cause there's something else going on there. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, I know people who like having five jobs and their boss is always a fucking asshole. Really? You managed to get five different jobs and all of them are assholes. And so you're quitting again. How unlucky. Right? <laughs> Again, you know, hey, go on to Amazon and order a fucking mirror. And 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 you, you need to do some like, you know, some self-reflection there. And the, but the reality is like all bosses are assholes, depending on where you meet them in the relationship. Right. Yeah. So yeah. taking ownership. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, like, are you are. Why would somebody like if you're if you're kicking fucking ass, you show up, you have integrity, you have transparency, you communicate well, you're doing all your work. You may be working for an asshole. I've met them. Doesn't nothing's good enough, right? Um, but anyways, that's a whole other business talk. But the, but the idea is is re really the the spiritual message is this: is you know I I I, I read this quote in the eighties. Uh, I had my son who's 30 years old now. Uh, I got full custody of him when he was three months old. And uh, I wasn't married, uh, a girlfriend, a strange girlfriend, and wasn't married. And I knew, so I knew that if he stayed with her, his life would be way worse than if he stayed with me. And so I negotiated custody, which is unheard of. And I lived in Canada at the time. You don't, it's just default. The, the, the mom gets the kid. I got custody just when I, I had just closed my school to launch my seminar business. The worst possible time I could do that because I was going to be on the road traveling and I didn't have a regular income stream. I was just, just closed my business but I still did it. It was a scary, it was one of the scariest things I've ever done, but I did the right thing. I found the courage to do it despite the fear. That's what fear management is about. And I wanted to say that there, where I've had people who listen to my talks or get my program and then they bump into me or they're, it's, we just finished a, like a seminar, whether it was the Zoom or in person and they go and they ask me, what's it like to have no fear? And I'm like, I go like this. I'm like, talking to me they think because i'm an expert on it that i have no fear i got fear every fucking day it's called fear management it's not no fear it's k-n-o-w fear mm -hmm. my main business was in-person training when they did two weeks to flatten the curve i went okay cool hang out all right hang out with the kids three months later I canceled 35 courses we were running for law enforcement military. I looked at that and I went, 
if this goes on for six more months, I will lose everything I ever built. All of my revenue was from in-person training. So here I am, Mr. Fear Management, doubled over in my chair like this, Gavin, going, oh my God. When I looked at the numbers and I went, I, will, I looked around my house. I looked at all my toys, second, secondarily important to the ability to provide for my family. I heard my kids running around, the wife go, hey, dinner. And I couldn't eat. I was so nauseous. So I need, I need everyone to understand that, that I'm not sharing this stuff going, you know, like there's a lot of influencers online that are teaching you how to be motivated and stuff, but they've never built anything. They've never, they don't, they've never grown a business. They've never done the stuff for themselves. So this no fear program came out of my relationship with fear as an athlete, as a kid. And I, and I, and I said this recently, you know, when someone goes, say, what's like, I have no fear. I go, I have fucking fear every day. I'm a dad. I've got three kids. I'm, I'm, I'm a poet and an artist. I'm scared for the planet earth. I'm concerned with what half of the world is thinking right now. And if I don't control that, that will eat me up. That'll eat up my mind. And I, and I won't perform and produce and, and, uh, and, and, and try to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. But you got it. It's got to come from yourself there. So there's no such thing as no fear and no, but there is a way to get the no fear. And, and like I said earlier, if, if you can identify the fears in your life, that creates greater self-awareness and there's no more powerful and more important skill in self-actualizing who, who's your best version of you as that cliche goes. But the quote that I want to tell you, I read it 20 years ago, just when I got custody of my son and um, uh, there were two quotes. One of them was nothing affects a child's life more than a parent's unlived life. Fucking heavy. I'll say it again. Nothing affects a child's life more than a parent's unlived life. Now I'm going to go super fucking deep here. So if you're not a parent and you don't have any kids, you all know this, depending on what level of psychology you've studied, there's a little Tony inside of Tony. There's a little Gavin that didn't get something. Your stepdad or your mom or your uncle said this or did that. And we still have those. Whether you think that's fucking lame or bullshit, it's, it's, it's real. And so little Tony or little Gavin or whoever's listening, if, if, if the adult version doesn't self-actualize, that impacts. And then you start always coming back to that why am I fucking always offended when somebody says this or does this? Or you said it earlier was interesting. Uh, people are like, oh, just always like people pleasers trying to do things to get other people's like, that's a childhood thing where something in your parenting failed to go to, to help you with self-worth and self-esteem and self-confidence that you only felt loved when people patted you on the back. You didn't, you didn't, you never learned how to do things because it was the right thing for you to do and felt good for you. And there's of course balance in that because we, we have an entitled fucking pussified generation that just thinks that they just have to do like, I'll do whatever I want because that's my truth. That's all bullshit, right? Um, there's gotta be balance and, and, and the truth is the truth. But so metaphorically, super, super deep. If you're a parent, mother or father, Nothing affects your kid's life more than your unlived life. So if you're miserable, they're going to be miserable. If you're growing and evolving, they're going to grow and evolve. 
And then if you don't have actual kids, are you taking care of that? That and 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 what you're trying to do is is not keep that little kid in you, but to go, wow, I can throw that away. I'm not seven anymore. I'm not 11 anymore. I'm now in my case, 61, or in your case, I don't know how old you are, 30, 40. I don't know. You have good genetics. I can't tell how old you are. How old are you? 37. Yeah. Okay, good. I was in between. Good. Yeah. So um, um, the other quote, which I love is be willing to give up who you are today for who you could become tomorrow. Be willing to give up who you are today for who you could become tomorrow. So a lot of us unconsciously are like, you know, yeah, but I'm really good at this or, you know, the old way was better. And, you know, uh, I don't, it's just, it's just, that's not sustainable. Yeah. And all of those and both of those quotes as powerful as they are, are always going to be hindered or slowed down because of our inability to manage fear. Mm-hmm. Fear in the metaphoric sense, if you're on my go, if you go to my no fear page, uh, no fear now, um, it, there's a plastered on there is fear is fuel. So fear can be, and this is like paraphrasing a, um, a quote from Customato, who's Mike Tyson's mm-hmm. original coach. He got this great quote, but he said, fear can, you know, fear can burn down your house. It can burn your belongings. It can kill you. Or it can be used to warm your house and cook your food and warm you up. It, it's, it's what is your relationship with fear? And so if I look at my body in this metaphor, if I look at my body as a car and I need to take care of it, make sure it's in good shape because I, I got this journey called life I'm on and my mind are my destinations, my nav system. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to eat. Now I'm going to drive for eight hours straight and listen to some good tunes. My mind, well, let's pretend there's no Teslas in this metaphor. The fuel is fear. Your body is the car, your mind is your nav system, and the fuel is fear because in the journey of life, I don't know how it's going to turn out. It's a fucking roller coaster ride. I set these destinations and these goals, and I'm like, okay, I'm hitting the road. Mm. You, you should have the anxiety of excitement of this is, this is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. What's, what's, what's my next chapter going to be? And that's outside your comfort zone. And there should always be some uh, 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 positive anxiety, right? But that's, again, changing our relationship with fear. As a young, young athlete, nobody ever said to me, butterflies in your stomach are normal. Sweaty palms are normal. Vertical breathing, chest breathing is normal. Take a deep, like lean into that and go, okay, this is my body getting ready for action. So as when I was a gymnast, when I was an, uh, a martial artist, when I was a, a competitive skier, nobody put their arm around me and said, these are the physiological uh, effects of fear and you visualizing performance in the future. Become acquainted with this because it's, 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 it's part of the game. Had somebody said that to me, my experiences as an athlete would have been way better because my association with all of that, and this might be probably the most important, you know, you asked me for one, one nugget or one gem. When you get a fear spike, a lot of things change in your body, in your mind, your physiology changes, your breathing changes, depending on the uh, proximity to the event. Someone says, hey, in three months, this is happening. You might go, Ooh, okay, good to know. Thanks. Somebody says, hey, in three minutes, this is happening. It's like, what? Like, like now it's amplified, right? So proximity to the event 
But if you know what some of these changes are, that's the pre-contact cue that can start the self-awareness and the planning. What do I need to learn? What do I need to know? Um, and, and there's a lot of things in life that you got to do scared. That's that other thing is, is, you know, you don't do my course or somebody else's fear management course. And anybody who gets you say, here's your diploma, you've graduated, now you have no fear. You just got scammed, right? There's lots of things in life that you're going to be afraid of, but you still need to do them. Yeah. There's uh, it's, you keep mentioning the fear spike and what, what sort of comes to my mind when you mention fear spike is that's triggering something within you that is linked to a past experience, uh, a past pain. Like for example, you know, take the scenario of my own fear of heights uh, for a long time in my life i was afraid of heights never really understood why just sort of went with it but uh, at the age of 16 uh, i abseiled down this whatever it was 80 foot building really really high stood at the top for must have been 30 minutes or more watched all my friends go down i was one of the last people to go down and uh yeah that was me sort of leaning into the fear going with it and it felt absolutely amazing when I did it but it's only after self-reflection only after my own self-development work that I began to realize that that fear of heights was linked to me falling off my grandparents stairs when I was three years of age which resulted in a broken collarbone and I think it was knocked out for a while as well so might explain a lot but that as I said, that was a pain from the past that I was still carrying with me throughout my teenage years up to that point where I just went for it. Sure. So in your approach, in your courses, how much of that sort of introspective work do you promote? Do you uh, give sort of weight to in terms of, okay, we need to go back in order for you to move forward and be able to embrace the fear and overcome this challenge? I know we've spoken like about the anxieties of what ha may happen in the future, but often the right. anxieties of the future are linked to something that's not been addressed from the past, a pain from the past. And it's the fear of that pain reoccurring again or being triggered in the moment. Yeah. So that's, that's a great, that's a great question, man. Um, in my, so obviously a past event, uh, my son also afraid of heights, uh, at one of my gyms, we had an elevated ring. And uh, so it was six feet up on a hardwood floor. And one day he's four years old and he's up sitting on the rings on the, on, in the corner, holding onto the ropes, bouncing on the turnbuckle. And I'm in my office doing some work. And, you know, he, he was hanging out of the gym that day and he'd climbed up never before he'd climbed up, but it's six feet up. He's four years old. He's six feet up. If he falls off, it's a two foot elevated ring. It's an eight foot drop with the edge of the, the boxing ring to the floor. If he falls, he could break his neck. I don't like heights either. So I, <clears throat> I get up from my desk. I turn, I see him through the window in my office and he's doing this and he's like wobbling around on the turnbuckle. And I'm like, and I go, Nick. And I fucking yell. Cause I, I got scared and he, tensed up which you don't want to tense up on a you know if you're on a high wire you don't want to so he almost falls from me yelling at him 
and tightens up and 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 I'm like, no, like he doesn't end up falling. But that moment, my fear triggered his. And now, you know, um, so is that important? I just share, I just shared that with you. Is that important? Yeah, it's huge. But, but let me, let me take it to what we've been talking about for the last almost hour <clears throat> is even, let's say, let's say you, could never remember that event when you were three and let's say there was never you never spoke to your parents your grandparents and said hey i've got this weird you know i was out with 15 guys and every one of them was like rappelling and you know base jumping and skydiving and i'm the only one that's like going nope that's not for me and all my friends we do everything else together i couldn't do that did anything happen to me as a kid that i would have this like like, let's say you could never re- recall, because if you were knocked out, like somebody told you that happened, right? So like, yeah. or did you didn't remember it. You didn't go like I was three and this happened. Or here's my journal from when I was three, right? <laughs> um, so somebody told you, and wow, that explains it. Did there's, you, there's, 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 uh, there's photos of me with uh, with a sling as well. Of course, that's that's a reminder, yeah. Did you find this out after that event? Yeah. Or before? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. So, so is that is that valuable yes of course it is because if you know uh um it's like having someone do some body work on you and um and they find scar tissue from an injury well if you're like a a a a introspective athlete and you remember you hurt yourself and you broke your elbow here you messed up your knee or whatever and you find somebody that can do you go hey i'm not performing the way i want to perform because this leg it's just it's not as flexible as my other one i'm pretty sure there's some scar tissue from this injury in this metaphor there you're going right after it hey i got this fear of heights when i was three i fell down the stairs i broke my collarbone i was knocked out Uh, i want to overcome my fear of heights you know so i go oh i know this guy blower he's going to talk to you about fear management and then i know this guy who's going to take you uh, uh, rock climbing inside just to get you just to get you used to like this type of look because i and i tell you this um i knew i was afraid of heights and so i started rock climbing and i've been on the side of a mountain like this going it would a cold sweat going don't look down don't look down and i've also gone up and down and i've also gone skydiving since you, you know so but in, here's the thing and i always tell people to make this joke with the skydiving is how can somebody who's afraid of heights go skydiving twice? One was a static line and one was a tandem jump, 12,000 feet. I didn't, I make this joke. I go, I'm afraid of heights. And I jumped out of an airplane. I didn't even have a parachute on. I had somebody attached to me with a parachute. <laughs> I had to trust them. And, um, and people were like, Oh my God, like, how did you do that? That's called fear management. Of course I was afraid, right? But it's managing your thoughts and deciding I need to do this, or I'm going to do this, or I want to do this. And then you make it happen. And it's comfort zone, discomfort zone, holy shit zone. If you do it with enough frequency, holy shit zone becomes discomfort zone. And then what happens is that that your life's experience expands. And we're, we're back to the driving metaphor, car, nav system, fuel. Um, but to directly answer your question more specifically, I don't get into that stuff. That's more therapeutic. Or like if somebody becomes a client of mine or I do a talk somewhere, 
Um, I'm more interested in them realizing that the formula to manage fear, <clears throat> excuse me, the formula to manage fear doesn't care what your if your fear if your fear of money or fear of sharks or fear of heights, it doesn't care. That's what's so potent about our system, is because it just says. What is your scenario? Drop it in here. Start going through the cycle of behavior and ask yourself, you know, you know, there's a, like a series of pretty cool, simple questions that lead you to these big pictures of, I got to do this, or I got to learn this, or I got to study this. Um, so that's what's fun about it, because it's not like, like when someone goes, yeah, I can't seem to quit smoking. So I'm going to go to a hypnotist and get like, that's so specific. You know, um, I don't approach it like this where I go, oh, I'll help you overcome your fear of, of quitting smoking. You know, it's, it's now like, you know, it's almost like for every problem in life, most of us intuitively contact a subject matter expert. Your, your, your car won't work, so you call a mechanic. Your roof is leaking, so you call a roofer. Your tooth is hurting, you call the dentist. We all have, like we outsource all of this information. When you, when you understand this, this system, it's like you're that subject matter expert for yourself now. Mm -hmm. It's like, because I go, hey, Gavin, what should I do, you know, uh, I hate my job and uh, they don't respect me. They don't pay me enough. And, and I've got ideas. To, I could start my own business or go somewhere else. But, you know, the security is really good there because they got a really good health plan. Right. At the end of the day, whatever you say, that person's probably going to stay there if they can't manage their fear. So that's where this comes in. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like that self-coaching. Do I have the tools to self-coach myself? through uh you know any obstacle in life mm -hmm. yeah that's why we, why fear management is so significant because it's almost an umbrella for a lot of negative aspect of your life like stress poor habits missed opportunities um but it's also a, a massive umbrella in terms of the opportunities that lie within it so you sort of have to perhaps acknowledge the barriers that fear is creating in order to then move towards the opportunity on the other side of it. It's, as you said, stepping out of your comfort zone. And that's the only place, as you know, as we know, where you can grow and progress in life. So such an important matter and such an important subject. And uh, it's great to have someone like yourself who's uh, so invested in this field in terms of helping people out with it. So thank you so much for your work and thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time in this podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, huge amount of insights there um, that will add massive value to every listener to this podcast so if they do want to reach out to you where's best to find you or how best to get in touch with you yeah so i mean i'm all over i'm all over the place uh i'm shadow banned on a bunch of <laughs> on like instagram and facebook and stuff like that so the best place depending on what you're looking for uh is um you know, just our website, our main, if you want to see what my, my whole company does just as a business person, what do we do? Go to Blauer training systems.com. You know, my last name, Blauer, B-L-A-U-E-R systems.com. 
Uh, and that'll take you everywhere. But we have a No Fear Now page, which will explain more about the No Fear programs. Remember, it's spelled K-N-O-W, No Fear Now. And then uh, Coach Blower, uh, you know, if you if you want to see some, you know some of the other work, but we're all we're all over. Um, I did write a uh, my office should have sent you a link for your show notes and, and list. I did write a uh, a short ebook. It's only nine pages long. It'll literally take you ten minutes to read, if that. Uh, called "Making Friends with Fear," and uh, I spent a lot of time on it. I joked that I spent forty years writing it, and it's only nine pages. Uh, when we first did it, like anybody in, in the modern era with digital assets, you know, it was supposed to be like a little download to get somebody's name. I'm being totally transparent here. Get them in your funnel, get them. And uh, so they said, hey, give me one page with the 10 things you need to know about fear. And I went, I don't do that shit. I hate that, that clickbait stuff. I said, I'm going to write something significant. They go, well, that's not how this works. I go, well, it's going to be a blend. Yeah, I want you in my funnel. I want to share you. But you know, I'm 61 years old. I've been studying this shit for 43 years on purpose and, and I've helped thousands and thousands of people around the world from, from uh, 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 tier one military operators to SWAT, to professional fighters, to business people, to women. Like if my ideas can't help you and you're not part, like one of the, one of that demographic, I don't know who you are. You're a unicorn. Um, and so you don't need any help anyhow, but um and it's not about helping. It's just ideas. Like a lot of the things that inspired me, Dan Millman, who wrote The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, he wrote, if you face just one opponent and you doubt yourself, you're outnumbered. That's like one of my favorite quotes in the world. What I'm talking about is I read something that someone else wrote that inspired me to, to create a whole business out of this whole thing, right? If you face just one opponent and you doubt yourself, you're outnumbered. That opponent substitute that with obstacle. If I'm facing just one obstacle and you doubt yourself, well, you're going to sabotage what you need to do next. Whether it's again, you know, you, you, a, a parent, a sibling, uh, a friend, society. Yeah, you're not good enough. You can't do this. And if you think that about yourself, you're not going to do shit. So I, I use the Dan Millen quote. Remember, I might say something in this nine-page free book where you go, holy shit, light bulb on, I know what I need to do with my life. And obviously it's going to try and, and, and sell you our no fear program, which isn't expensive considering it'll change your fucking life, but that's up to you. But the, that nine page book, I would tell you all, please, please spend time. If you listen, if you can invest 10 minutes to read somebody's ruminations on the psychology of fear, then, then, then you're either a unicorn or you got some other shit going on. Yeah. You don't know about it. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. I will uh, add those links in the show notes. Cool. below. So if you're listening to this, just check the links below and check them out and check out Tony's unbelievable work on this topic of fear. So thanks so much, Tony. Thank you, man. Good luck. Stay safe. And, and, um, you know, hit me up again if you want to do something else on a different subject. It was it was fun talking to you. For sure. We could take this down many different avenues. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Again, in the future. Thank you for your time. Okay. Take care.